Hello and welcome to Conference Catch-Up, brought to you by Rural Health Pro. This week we're coming to you live from Rural Health Month in Coogee, where over 700 rural health professionals are attending over 20 events. But before we start, we acknowledge the traditional custodians on the lands on which we work and live. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Conference Catch-Up is produced by Rural Health Pro. For more information, visit ruralhealthpro.org. That's ruralhealthpro.org. And in the meantime, please like, follow and share. The information provided in this podcast is of a general educational nature only. The views expressed are those of the presenters and not necessarily Rural Health Pro. Andrew Davison, uh, you're the keynote speaker this morning at the Allied Health Conference here at Rural Health Month. Uh, you're from the Ministry of Health. Can you just tell us, first of all, what's your role there uh, and why were you the keynote speaker today? Yeah, look, thank you for having me. Um, I'm the Chief Allied Health Officer within the Ministry of Health um, and for New South Wales Health. I come under um, the Division of Health Systems Strategy and Patient Experience and I suppose part of my role, and it's an absolute privilege to be in this role, um, is to be able to support allied health across the system. And it extends further than, um, than I think just New South Wales Health. It really extends into the whole of the allied health ecosystem, I suppose, um, in you know, metro, rural, private, public services across, across the board. And you were very, very good at, uh, in your opening and brave, can I say too, is trying to name the diverse field that people are from that allied health sector. And it is, it is quite a broad church of, of people, isn't it? And I know what they do and the, and what the delivery they do in, in health. Yeah. And I think it, it is a real challenge because people sometimes don't get allied health. Um, The term probably only really came about as an administrative or management term in the 1990s. And before that, they were all just considered themselves as individual professions. And then they realised, well, there you've got medicine, nursing and everyone else. And that became allied health. Um, In New South Wales Health, we have 23 different professions. Um, One of the definitions, one of the ways that we define allied health is they all are independent practitioners or independent professions, um, and they all are tertiary qualified. So they've got an AQF7 qualification or higher. When we start looking across the the country, um, different jurisdictions will have slightly different numbers. It's somewhere between 20 and 30. Um, And in New South Wales, um, the 23 that we employ doesn't isn't the lump sum of all those that work in New South Wales because we've got others like optometrists or chiropractors or osteopaths and others um, that we don't employ within New South Wales Health. The 23 are just those that that are generally um, employed within the system. And one of the themes in your speech today, and I'll, I'll go and talk a bit more in depth about Future Health's release paper that you talked about in depth, but before that, you did mention about the expansion of scope of practice for allied health and the change that's happened because of COVID and the reliance that, that the sector had on allied health professionals to try and be that first responder, that first line of defence in, in, in the COVID crisis. I think what's really happening is before COVID, there was this discussion around expanded scope of practice or extended scopes of practice, and there's lots of different terms. What COVID, I think, created was a necessity to really start to forge this ahead. Um, It's been more of a contentious term before now. It's often seen, even within professions like medicine and others, it's been seen as something where 
one profession is encroaching on another profession's um, scope. But I think what we realise is that we actually need to break down those barriers. And we had to do that during the pandemic, um, where we had a large number of allied health professionals providing vaccines, for example, or swabbing or doing a whole range of different tasks. I think the other thing is that we need to look at is how that works with working to the top of our scope of practice. And um, within New South Wales Health and at the Commonwealth and across many jurisdictions, we're really trying to explore what that means. Um, And part of it is so that we can allow clinicians to deliver as much and effective care as they possibly can within their scope of practice so that we don't continue to need to have to call in other professions to do that. Now, we have a multidisciplinary team for that purpose, um, but really we need to be able to say, well, is there any reason why, for instance, in New South Wales, we're exploring having physios provide x-rays in a rural or, or particularly a rural and remote area, where there is an access to a radiographer. It's not saying that we don't need radiographers out there, but they tend to be in larger centres. So therefore, if they're working as part of a multi-purpose centre that has an X-ray machine, can they be on a roster to support um, the the nurses that also work there with the same radiation licence to be able to take take X-rays? And we've got some examples of that up in the Hunter region, for example. And also what was raised as well is that it's not just the ministry or state government, there's private health institutions and organisations, there's not-for-profit organisations, and it's that collaborative approach, which we probably see that happening unofficially, if you know, well, if outside of the of the norm or the, the regulated sort of area, regulation is probably too strong a word, um, in rural areas already. So is that, is that part of the, the work that you're doing is, is, is sort of formalising that collaboration? Yeah, so look, I think with scope of practice, ironically, many of our private practitioners and those in NGOs work to a higher scope of practice than we have in New South Wales Health. And I think that's because they just have to out of necessity because they're the, that physio or that OT or the dietitian, they're the ones that are often the primary contact for primary care, not because um, there's not a GP around or those sorts of things, but it may be because someone will see them before they see a GP just because they know that that's where they can work. If you've got a sore knee, you go and see them. But one of the things that we do see, particularly in our regions, is that better collaboration. And knowing the private practitioners in a community is crucial. And we need to be able to develop and foster those relationships, particularly around things like um, the way we support good clinical governance and professional governance so that we can have, you know, um, special interest groups within a community that have a mix of um, of private and, and public practitioners where we can have um, shared cl- um, student placements across the region. And there, there are some good examples with some of our uh, UDRHs where that's happening as well. But there is absolutely a need for both the public and the private sector to work in better collaboration, and we, as I said, we see it better in some of the regional areas, um, around how we support um, the whole allied health sector um, because a thriving private sector is, is just as important as, uh, for public health as a, as a thriving public health sector is. And you also talked about at length the, the document that's been released by Future Health. Uh, tell us about that. You were talking about the value-based healthcare, models of care, research, uh, and emerging technologies, all part of that document and, and relating to allied health. Yeah, so New South Wales Health um, has every 10 years will produce a 10-year sort of plan or strategy. The one that was um, released last year was Future Health. I would have to say that um, 
without having a pandemic, it probably would have looked like a very different document. And I think that the pandemic taught us a lot of what we can do and the way we should function as a system. We just had to change and break down some of those silos and norms. During the pandemic, we also had developed a lot of communities of practice, over 30 of them, and in different professional and specialist areas. And so the consultation around the development of future health engaged all of those community of practice and further afield with communities and other things. And so there was significant consultation in the development of it. They heard from clinicians on the ground about how to develop it, and that's where they came up with what they have. And so there is this, I suppose, really focus on um, value-based healthcare, um, which, you know, in my mind really is how we, um, is, is really delivering care that achieves those quadruple aims that I spoke about. So that's the, um, the uh, delivering clinical outcomes, but outcomes that matter to patients, ensuring that um, our patients receive a a, a good experience of receiving care, that our clinicians are also having a good experience of delivering care and that we're doing it in a cost-effective manner. But Future Health also really tries to address the, the challenge that we, that we have across the system. So that's around addressing inequity and how we can really make sure that those health outcomes in areas of disadvantage are, can be the same as those where there are, um, you know, in higher socioeconomic areas. We're also focused on those new models that are addressing the wicked problems. We know that people accessing our health services, the number of people coming to our emergency departments, calling ambulances, is actually growing quicker than we see in population growth. And there's probably lots of different reasons for that. But that places additional challenges within the system about how do we keep people out of hospital and well, and how do we actually ensure that when they come into our services that they stay when they need to stay. We can discharge them early. We can we can support our emergency departments without having to build more and more hospitals and and sort of grow the system in a way that we can't sustain. There is really a focus on on new technologies, um, precision medicine, and research, but also around how we actually structure our systems and things like the workforce plan and the regional health plan really support those. But in a well, they synthesise um, future health and distill it into particular areas like workforce. How, how do we support, for example, the governance of multidisciplinary care and how do we enhance that further? Or in, in, um, in the rural health plan, how do we ensure that we're listening to communities about their health needs? Or And then there's a focus on the workforce pipeline and rural generalism and, other th- and, and also expanded scopes of practice for allied health, nursing and medicine. Now, last question. How important are these sort of conferences? I mean, you have the Allied Health Conference going here. We're in the one sort of location. There's practice managers. We've got a GP conference upstairs. I think tomorrow we've got leaders, future leaders. We've got students coming. So this is really, we talk about collaboration and multidisciplinary, but here we're in this conference, in this Rural Health Month, we've got them all all here. They're all having a a networking function together tonight. Uh, Is that an important part of, of this process? Yeah, look, <laughs> what's really interesting is when we, uh, as someone who grew up and worked in uh, rural and regional areas and, you know, also worked in remote New South Wales, being able to support clinicians in particular around um, CPD, like continuing professional development, networking, 
Um, reducing some of those perceptions of isolation are so critical. And I know that RDN are really a pivotal part of how do we support those who work in regional areas and we've got other partners as well around that. And so for me, these conferences are a way to continue to to drive that support for our clinicians and um, and and what and you know future clinicians who want to work in rural and regional areas. I think also we know that from the research that when you support your clinicians in regional areas, whether that be through you know clinical allied health, it's clinical supervision, it's career structures, it is absolutely um, professional development and others, then they're more likely to, first of all, want to go there, but also stay there as well. Andrew, thank you very much. It was a great presentation uh, and look forward to hearing more from you hopefully next year. Thank you very much. Conference Catch-Up is brought to you by Rural Health Pro. If you care about rural Australia and keeping them healthy, then Rural Health Pro is your community. The Rural Health Pro platform and app connects health professionals with colleagues, organisations, training, scholarships and career opportunities to help them thrive. It's free and it's easy to join. Just visit ruralhealthpro.org. That's ruralhealthpro.org today.